0: Listeners, you are listening to another episode of That's Entertainment. I am your pop culture maven, Jeff Malone. And sadly, although I say she's with me as always, so she's still with me spiritually right now, but she's not on the recording right now. Uh, Aunt Beth has taken off, but I did fill in with uh, someone who I've known almost as long as Aunt Beth. Uh, It's my good friend, live from not exactly Pittsburgh, but the Pittsburgh PA area. It's my good friend, Jeff Smith. Jeff, how are you?
1: I'm doing well, Jeff. It's a pleasure to be on. And I know a lot of times in the uh, the sports talk radio world, a lot of times you hear uh, callers call in, they say long time listener, uh, first time caller. So I feel like I can use that phrase with us here tonight as well.
0: Very good. Well, that's, I, that's, I think that you're the first time you're the First, long time listener to say to introduce yourself as a first time caller. I think we may have had other guests that fit that description, but you're you can claim the to be the first person to actually say it.
1: All right, there we go. I'm glad I can be a little bit modest for you here, too.
0: Okay. Uh, yeah. So Jeff and I have known each other nearly 30 years going back to kindergarten, St. John the Evangelist. We started uh, there no the fall of 93 now it's
1: 2022 gotta start putting those plans together for the 30th uh kindergarten reunion coming up right
0: yeah we better do that we're yeah. we still play uh, fantasy sports with some of our kindergarten classmates
1: it's hard to Actually, believe we're, look, we're looking at uh 20 plus years of that even as well too it's just like holy cow yeah Time flies. Uh, some some of these guys on our original fantasy teams are well retired now. They're on TV, and it's just like, boy, I remember when we drafted them on cardboard and paper draft boards, and here we are, twenty some years still
0: later. We still have our uh, first year draft selections written down somewhere.
1: Oh, they are in a tub sitting in my basement that I was able to pull from my uh, my old bedroom that my that I. of inventoried and piled up before i was married and i kept it in a big rubbermaid container in my old bedroom my parents house and it took my brother and i to lug this rubbermaid container out to my car last thanksgiving to bring it here because it's not doing any good to my parents and i had some fun last christmas break just going through all these old sports programs i had all the different sports and lo and behold in the bottom were all these color printouts of that, that first year of fantasy football back in 2001 who was on each team and how we went through CBS sports and did it all it was just like a weird interesting trip down memory lane thinking back to all that stuff and how it didn't it doesn't seem that long ago
0: yeah I think I want to say I remember there being some Something distinctive about Keyshawn Johnson. I want to say. I don't know if I drafted him or if like someone accidentally drafted him twice or something. That's like the the memory that pops into my head.
1: All right, I'll, I'll try to stump you here. First overall pick, the first year. Any guesses?
0: This was the 2001 season, right?
1: Yes. Mm-hmm.
0: All right. So we were just coming off. Uh, was that Tom Brady's first Super Bowl win? Was that 2001?
1: That, that, that was actually at the end of the season he won. So we were looking at the, like the season before when he took over for Bloodsoe. And so I guess somebody picked Brady up early in the season.
0: Okay, then first – so Brady was selected in the first round that year, but not first overall?
1: No, I I, I honestly think that was – I don't think Brady was even drafted because Drew Bloodsoe started the year as the quarterback. Oh, okay. For yeah.
0: Um, give me a position. I don't know if I'll...
1: quarterback.
0: Oh, uh, Kurt Warner.
1: Surprisingly, no. Really? Yeah, that's. I know that's what I'm thinking back. Look at the it, man. It's like that would have been a good choice.
0: Uh, Brett Favre.
1: Nope. Right. On a right. McNabb. Division. No. Right division is Favre though.
0: Okay, so what well, it was it? Was back when it was five teams per division, wasn't it?
1: yeah mm-hmm.
0: all right so packers vikings bears lions was it one of them or was it the yeah. team that moved
1: no believe it or not it was one of them uh,
0: was it a uh, dante culpepper
1: it was dante culpepper oh. you're, you're talking to the guy who thought that would be a smart first pick there
0: oh that was your pick
1: that was my pick, and uh, somehow I won the league that year. Still, with some stellar maneuvering of trades and whatnot, but uh, Dante got hurt near uh, midway point of the season, and I wound up with Rich Gannon as my uh, starter and rode him to the title. So, that
0: sounds rest like history. It sounds like the Ravens winning the Super Bowl with Trent Dilfer.
1: Uh, pretty much, pretty much on par with what I did, I think. But uh, it, it all worked, in my uh, horrible GMing to start off, uh, I turned it around.
0: I are you the winningest uh uh commission in the history of our league
1: you know what i think tim has me beat i think he's yeah. won more more than i have i've i've come back nicely the last couple of years i went on like a 10 year uh i don't know if you want to call it a bender but a, a 10 year bender without without winning a title but i've, I've come back and won a couple here the last nice. few years
0: uh all right well we're not here this is a good trip down memory lane and it's setting the tone a bit. But we're here to talk about basketball, it is March after all, and yeah. So we usually, uh, on that's entertainment, pick a pop culture topic. But recently, uh, this month anyway, we're turning into a sports podcast apparently because we um just covered the Winter Olympics in our last full episode. Now we've got the NCAA basketball championship. We're talking men's and women's because uh this is the first year that the women are actually also allowed to officially use the March Madness moniker. Uh about time I'd say. Uh but yeah, it's the Olympics and March Madness and some other sporting events, I'd say, are are big enough deals that they rise up to they cross over enough to be a part of pop culture, I'd say. Um yeah so that that's how they fit into the that's entertainment framework uh and beth is not as big of a basketball fan as i am uh so she didn't think she'd have as much to talk about here so she was fine with me uh doing this one without her but since she's not on the show jeff um you're obviously not an aunt, but are you an uncle? And uh, do you have aunts? And are you have you ever watched uh, March Madness with them?
1: <laughs> let's see, I, I I am an uncle. Um, let's see, uh, gosh, I'm, I'm an uncle to uh, to six different nieces and nephews. Uh, my wife's uh, older brother has five kids of his own. And then my sister has one with a actually with a second on the way um, next September as well. So I'm number number seven. Is coming here now. Um, uh, hmm, ant wise, I can't say I can remember a time when I've ever watched college basketball with one of my aunts. Uh, my my two aunts live out on the west coast and uh, they are sports fans, but uh, they're not big into the, the, the college basketball scene. Now, I'm sure they might watch if I if I drag them into it a little bit here or one of their uh western cities or colleges made it far, but uh, no, I can't say I, I have had them or it's ever a had very- a conversation them about it at
0: the very least have either of them ever filled out a bracket do you know
1: well yeah it's actually funny my dad's sister um she does she does a bracket pool with us every every uh springtime that my uh my one cousin uh, actually her oldest son david will actually run and he'll make sure he gets his mom on and figured out how to sign up and, and do it she's never won, and she makes that loud and clear and she's been doing this for about 10 years with us but uh She'll, she'll get at least involved with that and just kind of throws her hands up and said, I, I don't know any better, but we always tell her too. It's like, those are the people that usually wind up winning as well.
0: Well, I think that works uh, enough for the entertainment spirit uh, that we do have that aunt nephew connection established. Um, actually, I think we, we might have, I might have some more to mention a little later in the show, but um ooh you before we do that before we dive into the topic i usually run down any the results of any twitter polls i've uh had on um on the entertainment twitter between now and uh the most recent show usually i let aunt beth know what uh results were but i'll let you know uh jeff and you'll see if uh what your reactions to are? It looks like i've only i won ran one poll in uh with the wake of our winter olympics episode and i asked what's your favorite part of the winter olympics the skiing the skating the sliding or the rocks this one didn't get a whole lot of results but the rocks won with 100 percent of the vote what would you have selected in that if you had uh
1: I, Hello, I'm I'm a, I'm always big in, into the sliding, and I I really think it probably goes back to uh, even our our days at St. John's watching cool runnings yes. and just yeah. taking off with the bobsled. And then once skeleton became an a, a w- official Winter Olympic sport, that, that that took off and really piqued my interest as well. To just take luge to that whole flip around around and go down face first level and I I always enjoy watching that and it seems like it's one of the early most events too on the Olympics so I kind of get sucked in early Mm -hmm. watching some some of the sliding now I can see we're curling kind of one as well I feel like that's taken off
0: well I'm gonna give away a little at that act, that one vote was actually my vote because I ran the poll on the uh, the that's entertainment twitter account and then I voted on my own personal account so um. That's fair. Yeah. But yeah, so, uh, but as far as uh, the sliding events go, I do, um, I have an affinity for luge because I know Dr. Evil, Austin Powers' nemesis, he, he took luge lessons when he was growing up. So that's a, uh, that's a big deal in the, in the evil household. Um, yeah, I think that's, that's good for catching up for now, but I think it's time to dig into March Madness. Let's Um, do it. Yeah. All right. So as I normally do, I'll do a little intro to set this, the tone and okay. I'm going to do that right now. And, uh, yeah, here we go. You should listen to this podcast if you're the kind of person who sings to yourself. Dunk, dun, dun dun, dun,ana, basketball, gimme, gimme the ball because I'm gonna dunk it. And hopefully by the end you'll remember this episode as the one shining moment of your day. Uh, because one shining moment is the actual March Madness reference. The dun 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 na that song is a uh, actually not played during March Madness. It's uh, used to be played during the NBA now it's played on college basketball but Fox is a uh, presentation and Fox doesn't show March Madness CBS and Turner sports as anyway I'm I'm if you're a March Madness fan you surely know this already, but uh, anyway, yeah, so uh, we are recording this on Monday the 21st of March. So we've just finished up the first weekend of the men's tournament. The women's uh, tournament is still in the midst of their round of 32. They've got, I think, three games are being played right now. I We could well maybe check the scores, see if anything's interesting going on. Uh, but this episode will be released Sunday, the 27th. So... Unless you listen to the on the Patreon, you can catch it a few days early. But either way, there's will probably be some more games played in between now, in between recording and release. So bear that in mind. This isn't an up to the minute podcast. We're more digging into like why we love March Madness in general so much. So we will talk about this year's tournament, but it's more about our all time feelings regarding the game. Uh, So on That's Entertainment, we pick a pop culture topic and discuss it according to three Fs, first, favorite, and forever. And of course, the first section is first, where we discuss our earliest memories. So Jeff, what's your earliest March Madness-related memory? And uh, how long have you been entering bracket pools? And where does this rank among your rankings of the best annual sports events?
1: I think, gosh, I was, I was looking back and trying to go back through past tournaments and past winners. And my first year I did a bracket pool was 1995. And that was the year that uh, UCLA came out winning the title. And uh, I still remember it because it, it was a very uh, um, crazy um, second round game that UCLA played on Boise, Idaho, where um, their one guard, his name was Tyus Edney you ran down the court in the last three seconds of the game and sunk a layup to put uh, UCLA on top over Missouri by two. And uh, UCLA rode that momentum and went all the way to, to win the uh, to win the title that year. And that was their uh, first uh, championship since the uh, John Wooden days. So that was a big deal for the UCLA program to kind of get back into it. And March Madness kind of just took off for me from that point. I mean, at the time I was seven years old and I did fill out a bracket for the for the first time. and I still remember some of those late 90s um, CBS March Madness themes where um, I mean, if you look up on YouTube, that old theme that CBS would play with the guitar at the beginning, it's still, I think, the best theme they had they had going for them over the years. And I still remember the way the tournament used to be formatted back in those late 90s, as well, where today you can turn on four different channels and all the games are on. And even before that, gosh, even 10 years ago, I mean, or even 15 years ago, they changed kind of the format of the games where that you would constantly see the scores at the top while the, while the game you were watching on CBS would be playing. But what I really stood out to me is those those first tournaments, you had no idea what was going on at the other three sites that had games going on in those first couple rounds until they played a little jingle on the screen that kind of was the the march madness theme and that jingle once you heard that you knew that the, the little score bug would pop up and they'd roll through on the ticker all the scores from the different um sites and you'd be glued to the tv looking to see you know are your upsets hitting right now are they winning and cbs was very i about stubborn about switching games and you were stuck like i know for us Jeff, growing up, you know, outside of the Philadelphia area, we, and we were very fortunate to have a lot of good Philly schools over the years playing the tournaments where, you know, say for instance, a year temple was a high seed. We got, we kind of got stuck in a sense, watching that entire temple game, regardless of uh performance of other games around the country as well, where you really wanted to get switched. And that was something that I always remember is just that little jingle that would come on because my eyes would be glued to say, okay, did my upset hit? Like What? what's going on around the country. I want to know more, just hoping that, you know, to look where the tournament is now. It's like, Holy cow. kind of all those uh, dreams and visions. I couldn't have been the only person who felt that way as well when that little uh, uh, jingle came on. But, uh, I honestly think too that, um, sports wise, this is the best time of the year, right, right here. uh, I was trying to think about a way to put it into words where, you know, you know, other people will argue it's a Bowl or, um, Maybe if you're more into the golf scene, you know, it's the Masters or, you know, you you like the, the playoff formats where, you know, you get a best of seven at the sides like the NBA finals or the Stanley Cup playoffs. But it's just the prolonged interest and the prolonged chaos, I feel, of this time of the year where you get those little small schools, those little stories that stick with you over the years. And I think that's really what kind of withstood the test of time where, you know, a lot of the things I look at the history of March Madness, I just go back in my mind in 1995 when I first really got into it, but gosh, older college basketball fans, they'll tell you that the best stories are all the way back to things that happened in the seventies and the, and the eighties and the early nineties as well, because there is plenty there as well as the tournament, even the fields expanded since, the late 90s as well too so there has been a lot of change but still every year around this time it just goes back to that same it's just what I think it's that prolonged interest and that prolonged chaos that I I love and I can't think of any other time of year that tops it in the world of sports
0: yeah I have to agree I mean basketball has always been my favorite sport to watch so it's not unsurprising for me to agree but you know compared to Compared to the NBA playoffs, it's not quite the same thing, even if, you know, even like when you had the Bulls uh, dominating the culture, not just the NBA, but the culture of the 1990s. It really still wasn't the same thing, Uh, because, I mean, you just get so many people involved with watching it who wouldn't otherwise care about uh, basketball or let alone sports in general at all. Yeah, so March is is my favorite month for this, and also because it's my birthday month. So that's I mean, like usually on my birthday, uh, we'll have family over for dinner and presents and cake. And there's it's actually before the tournament starts, but usually have the conference tournaments going heating up, uh, or like the big conferences are finishing the regular season, and the small conferences are in there tournaments um so yeah so my birthday is like a good preview to the the madness um yeah so my i think 95 is probably the first tournament that i remember watching as well uh because i mean we are the same age so it would make sense that our earliest memories would be the same And i think was it so ucla won that year was arkansas also in the final four
1: i think so i think they with uh, corliss Yes, I think Arkansas came off winning the year before, but I th- I want to say they made it back the following year because that was a, a dominant team as well too. Or that see, stretch. Got it
0: up on uh, Wikipedia right now. I want to say it was. I want to say Utah was good back then. I don't know if they made the Final Four, but I know they had some good teams. Let's see. Yeah, was- Arkansas was the runner-up. Can you name the other two teams? <sighs>
1: I mean, gosh, that, that's still – I always think Dean Smith in North Carolina, that's right in their heyday kind that's of – That's correct. Career. They
0: lost to Arkansas in the semifinal. Ah. This hmm. This other was one's that a, a toughie. It was a four seed.
1: See, I was going to go like Rick Pitino and Kentucky, but uh, I don't think they were that low.
0: They, um, let me see was a they were a one seed that year um and this is it's a this is a major conference team but um, the team that has some good years uh, yeah I'd say they make the tournament maybe half the time I don't think they made it this year
1: okay let's see. Hmm. is there a way you can kind of, you can see who, who is, who is the coach of the team? Maybe I can get it that way. And
0: uh, let's see.
1: I don't want a too obvious of a clue, but uh,
0: listeners, you may be able to hear me furiously typing. Um, I'll give you the coach's initials. ES. Oh gosh. I give you his full name, sure. Eddie Sutton.
1: Eddie Sutton. So was this when Eddie Sutton was at, still at Oklahoma State?
0: That's correct.
1: Yes. Okay. Ooh. You know he he did have his stretches too. I will I will say that. You know what? I I wonder. All right, Jeff, you got to think back to the '90s with me. I I know that uh Bryant Reeves, big big guy for the for I guess gosh it was the Vancouver Grizzlies. I know he went through mm-hmm. Oklahoma State. I wonder if he was on those that team.
0: Let's find out. We can always yeah. Wikipedia is always an easy research resource for this, right? Reeves. He played at Oklahoma State from ninety one to ninety five. So it looks like that was his senior there year.
1: There it is. We're okay.
0: All right. Um, yeah. Well, this this wasn't the official trivia section of the <laughs> episode, but th- this bodes well for you getting the the questions I have planned.
1: Okay. Gotcha. I've got one for you planned as well. We'll see. Great minds think alike. We probably have the same question, but. uh
0: We'll find out that that has happened before on <laughs> in previous episodes. Actually, I think it just happened on the winter Olympics episode, Uh, but some other early memories. So uh, probably the earliest, very distinct memory I have is related to uh, a bracket pool and which I've been in my dad's office pool for as long as I can remember and still am entering in it, even though my dad retired a few years ago. Um, but in the 97 tournament, I entered in two pools. My Aunt Mary was having one at her workplace. So she didn't know much about basketball, but she had me fill it out for her. And she said, if we win, we'll split the win- the money. And uh, I did my picks a little different than I did in my dad's pool. I picked Kansas to win it all. They were the one seed. I think they were probably ranked number one going into it. Then they lost in the sweet 16 to Arizona it was the four seed. And then I think I figured at that point, okay, I don't have any chance to win this one. But then Arizona went on and won it all. And then uh, I, probably the day after the final, it's there's a phone call at home my dad hands me the phone and it's my aunt mary i can barely hear what she's saying she's just screaming i can't make it out and then finally i realize she's saying we won we won I'm like oh my god we, we won i was nine years old won my first bracket pool we split 150 dollars 75 to me it was a fortune for a nine-year-old yeah you can buy some uh, good man.
1: Nintendo 64 games with that amount of money.
0: Yeah, I'm not sure if we even had, uh, I guess that had come out. Did Nintendo 64 come out in '96? So I think we got ours a year or two after it came out. So yeah, I might have bought a game with it. Yeah. Um, maybe NFL Blitz, if that was out by then. Um, then the other distinct memory I have, well, I'm not, actually, I'm not sure if this was distinct because it's hard to tell if I actually saw certain highlights when they originally aired, or if I just saw them over and over again in like highlight reels that they show that CBS shows like just at the start of their coverage every year. Um, but I know in 98 Bryce Drew hit the buzzer beater for Valparaiso to pull off the upset against Ole Miss and seeing as that was the you know we were just we were talking about how cbs in the old days would stick to one game but they would switch to a game if it was a close finish so i'm sure i saw that play at some point that year the only way i wouldn't have is like if i were at school if it was an early afternoon game or something uh or if we were doing something on thursday or friday night but yeah, that's among really big memorable plays that's the earliest i can remember leaving its mark on me okay so that that's my those are my early memories we've got yours shall we move on to the favorite section
1: yeah let's do it sure all right
0: i love it I came up with several categories to discuss our all-time favorite aspects of March Madness. So Jeff showed me his notes. He's got a whole bunch. I've got plenty to say. So let's kind of do this rapid fire style. I'll throw out a category. You tell me what you got. I'll tell you what I've got. And our listeners will shout at us but we won't be able to hear them. But uh, hey, uh, let us know on Twitter or, or whatever afterwards. There's always plenty of memories worth sharing. So, okay. Best March Madness games of all time. What have you got?
1: All right. I'll, I'll, I'll give you a top five. I'll go five to one. How about that? That works. All right. I've got two, number five, 2006 Sweet 16 UCLA Gonzaga. It was a a crazy night of basketball where um, in a span of about half an hour, you had a buzzer beater where Texas took down West Virginia. And it spilled into this game out on the West Coast in Sacramento. And um, Gonzaga had a huge lead the entire game. And this is when Adam Morrison was at Gonzaga in his heyday. And Gonzaga blew this humongous lead at the end. And UCLA came back to beat them. And it was just a series of horrid play by Gonzaga turning the ball over, missing free throws that allowed UCLA to get back into the game and ultimately take the lead where Gonzaga still had a chance to win it at the end with a long kind of Christian Laettner style catch and shoot. But the guy from Gonzaga missed it. And I think what made this memory even more impressive was was the buzzer beater from Texas over West Virginia happening just half an hour ahead of that. But also the fact that it was Gus Johnson on the call for this game and if you get the chance to go back and watch just the highlights of this game, it is one of Gus Johnson's like most memorable tournament, just series of calls. I feel he was literally just screaming the entire time that this big comeback by UCLA was happening. So that one, that one I had to put on there. That's a personal favorite of mine. I put it at the bottom here. Um, number four, I said, uh, the final in 2008, um, Kansas and Memphis, I just figured, you know, that was such a big game being the final as well. And the shot by uh, Mario Chalmers, I mean, highly contested that he banked in to send the game to overtime even as well stood out where, you know, the, everybody thought that this was going to be John Calipari's first win, first win and first title with that Derrick Rose led team as a freshman. And it just came up short of the deal. Then uh, I, I doubled down at number three and said that uh, last year's final four with UCLA and Gonzaga was number three. I mean, I you, you know you tend to forget some of the more recent ones, but just the, the back and forth nature of that one, the high scoring nature of that one, and then the shot by Jalen Suggs at the end was just incredible in a Final Four, nonetheless. And it's something to consider too, where you know maybe that one doesn't get as much love because of the whole COVID aspect of the tournament last year as well, where you know if you had a crowd of sixty five thousand people there, it might have been a different story. Um, my my top two were both uh, championships as well. I said number two was Butler and Duke, where Gordon Hayward almost made made the long shot. And I mean, I still think to this day when I see it, I don't know how that shot didn't go in. And we're still thinking how far away he was from the from the basket. It's like, well, of course it didn't go in, but I still think it should have. And then, uh, not number one for me is Villanova over uh, North Carolina in 2016. I I I I still pull for my my Phillies schools here I, I like big five basketball a lot so when uh chris jenkins hit that shot i literally jumped ju- jumped out of out of my couch almost hit, almost hit my ceiling with my arms in celebration at the same time tried to make sure not to wake my wife and uh at, at the time uh four month old son oh, because the game ended around 11 30 mm-hmm. and somehow somehow i was able to do that and still celebrate the, the villanova title so that's my top five there jeff
0: all right. Well, um, so the the first one that was Gonzaga UCLA.
1: UCLA as well. Yeah. Two was of my top five.
0: Was that a was that the triple overtime game? Or no, Gonzaga Arizona was a triple overtime. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um that was I don't think I watched that one. I think that was a late night game and I might have been was that when was that? Um
1: I know what you're talking about. I
0: know I didn't watch it, and I'm trying to think, was it because I was went to bed early or because, let's see, uh, 2003, okay. Hmm. I don't know, maybe I just went to bed early. Uh, I was in high school at the time. I don't know if that was a weekend or not. but anyway I remember my parents telling me about that one but so that's not on my list but I guess it's an honorable mention that I didn't feel like I could include it since I didn't actually watch it live uh, but I wrote three down and there are three that you already mentioned uh, the Duke Butler 2010 championship I was definitely pulling for Butler I've always been a fan of mid-majors uh, like they deserve more respect than they've gotten often uh, Butler was a five seed that year. I believe they were, what were they, like 29 and two going into the tournament or something, undefeated in conference play. I'm like, I think they're, they could be a one seed and they, they proved that they deserved that consideration. And, and now they're in the Big East. Now they are a major conference team. Uh, and then I also had the uh, last year's semifinal, Gonzaga, UCLA. Um, yeah, I mean, I, yeah, it was the, the COVID year, uh, but I, I was, I found it plenty exciting. I don't, that didn't put a damper on my experience anyway. Mm-hmm. I was, yeah, um, and I was watching it. I was able to watch it with my family. That was, you know, just around the time that vaccination was starting to ramp up and we were all just freaking out about the sh- fact that it was banked in. Not not just a buzzer beater, but like the the audacity of hitting it off the backboard first to to win the game. And then yeah, and you see North Carolina Villanova. Um the 2016 final. I forget who I was I kind of like both those teams because yeah, we're but we're from the Philly area, so there's that Villanova connection. And I've always liked North Carolina, probably because. Michael Jordan went there, but there's other reasons to like them as well. Dean Smith, I think, you know, just set a great tone for that program. And then Roy Williams did as well. He was, he was their coach last year. So I don't even remember who I was rooting for specifically. Uh, I was just happy that it was such a great game. You know, another buzzer beater to, was it, was it a buzzer beater, or was there a few seconds after, uh, was it Archie Diacono who made the game winner?
1: No, did, it was a buzzer beater. It was uh, Chris Jenkins and, and
0: Archie Diakono got the assist, right?
1: He did. Yes.
0: yes. Okay, so those are those are our top our picks for top games. Okay, how about best individual plays slash player performances? What do you have?
1: All right. Well, I I went back to uh, I, I I tried to think of some of those old one shining moment montages they always play at the end of the, of the championship and just who were kind of some of the stars that made me, I think of over the years. And I, I went back to 2000 and I started with a Mateen Cleves and Michigan state where there's just this image in my mind of him hugging Tom Izzo and just how he was a kind of that local Michigan kid who kind of took the team on his back and let, led that team to their national title. And then I kind of thought the same thing. Okay. How, did, when did this happen? Kind of a similar story. A couple of years later, I think of Carmelo Anthony and that run he had with Syracuse and Jim Beheim in 2003. So kind of these veteran coaches that couldn't ever get over the top. They had these stars that kind of pushed them to the top, like Cleves did and Carmelo did. And then I really kind of thought about, okay, when, when were some other times at moments like this happened, Kemba Walker in 2011 with that Yukon run was another one where it was just like, holy, holy cow. Just to see how he pretty much willed that team from the biggest tournament all the way through the NCAA tournament where a lot of times I'm kind of shying away from teams that maybe get on such a hot stretch like that, thinking they're going to run out of gas eventually here. And Kemba didn't do that.
0: They were a seven seed that year, I think.
1: Yeah. They, they, they were, they were down there
0: mm-hmm. and it was
1: just like, win after win after win. It was just like, wow. And then um, the, the last two on my list kind of for different reasons. Now um, I'll, I'll give you the, I'll give you first the the trio of the Florida Gators, uh, jo- Joachim Noah, Al Horford, and Corey Brewer. I mean, mm-hmm. they won back-to-back titles, and we haven't seen that ha- happen in our lifetime. And they were just such a dominant team where I, I had to go back and look it up. They were actually a three-seed the first year they won mm-hmm. the tournament in seven. And then uh, they were number one in 2008 being the defending champions, and they decided to all come back Wasn't again. Wasn't it
0: 06 and, and 07?
1: Oh yeah come to think about you're right because 08 was kansas yes 2006 mm-hmm. 2007 yes mm-hmm. and then um well the, the last one on my list it's kind of in that same uh that time for, they didn't win the championship but uh the year stephen curry took davidson
0: mm-hmm. as
1: far as they did that was just a performance like this small little school in north carolina and this sharpshooter whose dad was in the nba for ages and lo and behold look at how far he took davidson college and i mean eventually they they didn't make it to the final four but I think they got to the elite eight, and then they they, they lost. I believe they lost to Kansas.
0: Was that two thousand eight? Was that the year Kansas won?
1: Yes, I think so. I think uh, Kansas put a stop to Davidson, and then they went on to win the title.
0: Mm-hmm. All right. Well, I I kind of um, yeah I kind of answered my own question a little differently, but anyway, these are all worth mentioning. So just, you know, as far as like specific plays, we already mentioned Jalen Suggs' beater. I think that might be my favorite play. I might have rewatched it more than any other. Um, I mean, and that's the advantage of living in an age of DVR. You can rewind it immediately. If you're recording the game, you can just watch it over and over as much as you want. And even if you didn't, it's going to be on YouTube pretty much immediately. Um and then I also uh, had to mention, you know, I mean, there's nothing more thrilling than a last, than a heave of a buzzer beater. And there was one year someone did it two games in a row in the semifinal and the final uh, in the women's tournament, Arike Ogimumwale, uh for Notre Dame, I believe they beat, was it UConn in the semifinal, and then and I forget who they beat in the final, but beating UConn was the bigger accomplishment because you know they've UConn in the women's game they've won like a thousand of their last one thousand five games, or well, I'm multiplying but by, uh, by some amount, but you get the picture. Uh, and then the other, I guess this fits the. I'm stretching the category of individual performances, but team performance that I liked a lot, Florida Gulf Coast, the first 15 seed to make it to the Sweet 16, also known as Dunk City. And I mean, you know, if, there's, if there's anything better than a three-pointer, it's it dunks all the time. And I mean, they were like the Harlem Globetrotters out there.
1: You know, and like Jeff, was... I I tell you what, one of the things that still aggravates me to this day about that Dunk City team is the fact those first two rounds they played were in Philadelphia. And mm-hmm. here I'm sitting on my couch thinking, why am I not there right now?
0: Is that 2013
1: or... It was. Mm-hmm. Okay.
0: I was, yeah, I'd started grad school that year. So I wasn't in Philly. At, or no, if it was 2013, that was right before I started grad school. I started grad school later that fall. So... Yeah, I could potentially have gone, yeah. Hmm. Oh well. Well, um okay. So that's that's uh top performances. How about best overall tournament? Can you boil it down to one year?
1: I did. You know what? I I I had to go back for, for this one and look at all my old brackets, which are still inside that that rubber made tub I was telling you about earlier because. I still remember still remember it when Sports Illustrated would always come the week of the the tournament. And they'd have that mm-hmm. pull-out bracket on the inside and I still have all those old Sports Illustrated saved. And the one that stood out to me and I had to look I had to read a little bit of more stories with this one too. Go back to 2001, okay? The 2001 tournament and I had to look this one up. In the first round, all the first round games, 13 of them were either overtime games or decided by four points or less. You had that year a pod of four games in Boise, Idaho on a, on a Thursday where um, all four games were decided by three points or less. You had an, an 11-seed Georgia State beat a 6-seed Wisconsin by one. You had a 3-seed Maryland beat a 14-seed George Mason by three. You had a 10-seeded Georgetown beat a 7-seeded Arkansas by two. And then you had the biggest upset and still it's one of the most iconic ones of this day. You had the 15 seeded Hampton beat the two Iowa state by one all in Boise. And I think the thing looking at it now that that kind of baffles me the most is how the NCAA plays up this whole regional aspect of putting the better teams closer to home. You, you put Wisconsin and Maryland and Georgetown and even Iowa state, you stuck them all the way out in Idaho for, for this day's worth of worth of games as well, too, where I can only imagine what the, these coaches must have been feeling as well, being so far from home as well. But just to take it further, um, Gonzaga that year, I mean, this was in the early Gonzaga run as well. Mark Few was just coaching there for a couple of years. Gonzaga was a 12 that year, and they made it to the Sweet 16. And then one of the most interesting Pennsylvania tied tournament games ever, I think, happened in this tournament as well. It was a Sweet 16 matchup. Number seven Penn State, who just came off the weekend before beating a number two seeded North Carolina, number seven Penn State played number eleven Temple, and Temple actually beat them to go to the Elite Eight. And Temple wound up losing to uh, to Michigan State, and that was another Tom, Tom Izzo team that that went pretty far. But as throwing in as many upsets as that tournament had in that those first couple rounds and the upsets getting you to the Elite Eight. The final four was that there was not much to be said about it, but there was still a, it was a solid group of players. That was a year that uh, that Duke played Maryland as well in the final four. And uh, this was a Duke team with like Jay Williams and Mike Dunleavy and Carlos Boozer and Shane Battier and Duke topped Maryland. And then the final was actually a Duke over Arizona. And that was one of Lou Olsen's strong teams with like your Jason Gardners and Jason Caponos. And it, it was a it was a good mix of a lot of NBA pros that you know down down the road uh did well. And but overall that tournament, just looking back at it, even I, I still remember to this day that the craziness from Boise that really stood mm-hmm. out to me. And that that coach, that Hampton coach or that one player, and you'll still see it in the highlights how he gets picked up and he's squirming his feet around celebrating this humongous upset because at the time, you know, the, the whole 15 over two wasn't something that's happened as more consistently as it is now, or that was, that was such a big deal. And I, I, I still remember that one. And then even that temple versus Penn state game where it's just like, holy cow to get two Pennsylvania teams tied in here this far along the tournament, because Penn state is not a basketball school by any stretch, but that year, I mean, somehow, some way they made it as far as they did.
0: Yeah. I, do not have great memories about that year because my bracket got busted pretty quickly. I had Iowa State in the final. Oh, jeez. So I think that was a late game. I don't think, and again, I didn't stay up for it. I wake up the next morning. My parents have to break the news. Mm -hmm. Iowa State lost to the 15 seed. And then, so they were my pick for runner-up. My pick for winner was North Carolina, so as you just mentioned, they lost in the second round. So I think that might have been the year my for my birthday that I requested a a bracket cake. So my, my mom had it was a chocolate icing cake with white with the bracket in white icing and they like put my picks on on the cake. So it said North Carolina over Iowa State on the cake. And then we see how that how well that went. Uh, at least the cake tasted good. Um, yeah. So, um, but my uh, memories of how how good a tournament is aren't necessarily tied to how well my bracket does. And so my pick is going to actually be last year, the twenty twenty one tournament, and because. It was a year after the tournament was canceled. 2020 was the 2020 March Madness. That was like the earliest casualty of COVID pandemic related shutdowns. And I was really excited that year because that was going to be Rutgers first year uh, making it to the tournament in about 30, you know, nearly 30 years. Uh, My dad went to Rutgers, so I'm a big fan of them and now we had to wait another year for that to happen but even if i didn't have one particular team i was rooting for i was just so happy to have it back and all the announcers they were like it was just relief and joy that finally March is back we're actually going to have it happen and you know there, there were still a lot of COVID protocols like the entire tournament was held in Indiana and one game had to be forfeited because a VCU couldn't had too many guys who either tested positive or had close contacts, but they got through it about as perfectly as you could have. And then we had the, the thrilling Gonzaga UCLA final. And yeah, so that was just the, feeling of finally having back something that we all loved after a year that we didn't have it, it. was like just reminding us, not like we needed a reminder, but we got one, just how much we loved it.
1: And Jeff, I still remember too, that whole beginning of 2020 and the COVID shutdown too. How, how did I pass the time? I know I shared it with you as well. Thankfully, all these old March Madness games that you could watch on on YouTube and just at least use that to kind of pass some of the time and get that March kind of fill there. Cause I agree with you too. I'm I'm a Penn state alum and that was Penn state was supposed to make the tournament. We were looking at like a five seed yeah. that, that year as well, which is craziness to think. And uh I don't know how long it's going to take to get Penn state basketball back to that point, but it was kind of like the perfect storm that we're a really good team and then just no go. So
0: yeah. Well, I did appreciate the CBS just aired classic games in the mm-hmm. time slots where they would have been airing that year's tournament. Um, okay, moving on. How about uh, best announcer calls?
1: Uh, I had to make I had to make an own, uh, my own top five for just Gus Johnson here. I know I talked about okay. him earlier, but um, e- even though that I have talked about that 2006 game with UCLA, that I still remember with him screaming which is still such a worth a listen if you haven't heard it. Um, his call with Gonzaga back in uh, 99 when they, they made their run to the elite eight where he kind of coined the phrase for them, or he says, and he yells Gonzaga, the slipper still fits just to continue this, their Cinderella run. They still use it on the tournaments as well, where I think that was Gus's kind of a uh, kind of uh, jump up to, to national prominence was with that Gonzaga run as well and um a couple of years later one of my favorite first round games still that i remember to this day is gus called a uh, first round matchup in up up in um oh gosh Wor- worcester massachusetts i was trying to think of a small new england town where they actually put tournament games and uh vermont was actually playing in worcester massachusetts against syracuse and this guard from Ver- for vermont named tj sorrentine Hit about this 40-foot shot. He banked it in at the top of the, at the uh, top of the Syracuse zone in uh, overtime, and uh, Gus Gus's call was like he was like he, he caught his breath and he couldn't get it out at first. As Sor- Sorrentine took this shot, and he banked it in, and you just hear him scream, and then he yells, "Sorrentine hit that one from the parking lot," and just that phrase, I guess, was just. Stuck with TJ Sorrentino as well to this day. Where I guess I read a story about him, where um he actually used that at his wedding as well too. That 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 phrase. So that that oh. story, just I guess got, got, Gus kind of coined something for uh, TJ there to keep the his history going. And then uh, a couple of years later, actually Gus was on the call in a Dayton, Ohio, where it was a matchup a, a second round matchup with Ohio State. And this was an Ohio State team that actually made it all the way to the championship that year against uh, florida and uh the one guard for ohio state ron lewis was his name he hit this improbable off balance three and they're playing xavier and xavier was a, was an eight nine in that game and they had to lead most of the most of the game and uh somehow some way he he hit the shot bank banked it in and uh ohio state continued on their role where he he just, Gus just yells, Lewis has been awesome and lets it go. And then when he hits the shot, he just screams. And it's just like, oh, man. And then really, um, Gus's first NCAA tournament that he did, you have to go all the way back to 1996. And uh, G- Gus was on the call of one of the biggest upsets when a uh, defending champion UCLA, our first year, uh, lost lost to Princeton. And uh, Princeton in the backdoor offense did him in. Where I mean, at the time, Gus was one of the young announcers in the in the CBS rotation, so not many people knew of him. But uh, that 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 game that he he got kind of locked into really began that just magical run that that he had for years. And now, unfortunately, Gus, Gus is over on Fox, where he's not calling games for the NCAA tournament anymore. But um, I still think some of my other favorite announcers with the tournament too. I always loved the game that Dick Enberg called and i always thought he, he was so good multi-talented across all different sports but i always thought he was good at basketball and he would always do a piece at halftime of the uh of the championship game where he would kind of tell you the story like a documentary almost about you know what happened over the last couple of weeks in the tournament and kind of take like a take like a kind of make it into like a new story almost and i always thought his pieces were always really good to tie in kind of more of the human element of the tournament and then even present time i i love any game with just those distinct voices of kevin Harlan and i and eagle and then you can't go wrong with bill rafferty either i mean that i wish that uh we, we could get uh, gus and bill on games together mm-hmm. in the tournament because I, I just feel like you get a close game there there could be some explosiveness
0: it might be too much to handle i know <laughs> like uh no don't put it on in the nursery or something, wake all the, the babies up and spend all night getting them back to sleep. But that's uh, it. Um, yeah. Well, I there were two, and actually both from last year that um I wanted to mention. So yeah, you just mentioned the, two of the names. Uh, so Bill, were after after the uh, his big call, I mean, it was again we're mentioning the uh, Jalen Suggs buzzer, buzzer beater from the, the fi- semifinal last year. And he and Jim Nance and, and was it Grant Hill who was with them on the call? Mm-hmm. They were yeah. all just, just going crazy. I mean, everyone was. And Raftery, he, he busts out his catchphrase. He says, there are onions, Jim, and then there are major onions. And, I mean, that's just basically nonsense to – anyone who doesn't watch basketball i mean it's still kind of nonsense even if you do but he uh he delivers it with such passion so it it brings the joy across and the other one i really appreciate uh iron eagle is really great for bringing out just the references that just come from out of nowhere so Uh, One of UCLA's star players last year and this year is Tiger Campbell, who's, you know, with his big dreadlock hair, is a dead ringer for Bob Marley. So there was one game in last year's tournament where he got a steal and a fast break layup, and Ian punctuates it with Tiger Campbell, get up, stand up. You know, a reference to one of – Bob Marley's most well-known songs and you know I don't think the the resemblance had been directly recognized by anyone but pe- people were watching who picked up on it so it's like okay hi and I see what you did there very nice okay that's announcer calls now what about uh, commercials that have occurred during the games any favorites any, it's not quite like the Super Bowl where they're they're designed for it, but there are there are some memorable ones. So did you have any?
1: I did. um I for whatever reason, I, I I think this is kind of when he had his coming out party before going to SNL. But I think that's when Beck Bennett really just started his heyday with AT and T. Yes. Yeah, and then uh, I I still think to this day too. I, I know Re- Reese's has been a, one of the big sponsors of the NCA as well too. And every year they put out some some sort of bracket related uh commercial with a slogan that kind of has a pun to it as well and there was one year i still remember in my mind that they like set up an entire bracket with like different ingredients and chocolate bars and for whatever reason it just stands out to me like they had a this whole bracket set up and like nougat was like a 12 seed and like going f- further into the tournament here it's like okay who, who's saying nougat's the yes the cinderella story here before you know peanut butter tops it as the one seed here and 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 the story's done. So those are a couple that stand out. And then obviously, you know, every year you get the AT and T commercials now. And I think the ones this year have been pretty solid. Mm-hmm. And then uh, uh, Capital One with Samuel Jackson's a kind of an every year course, staple yeah. as well too. And Jeff, I don't know if you know know. I couldn't find it. Maybe it's in your trivia. It's not a question I'm going to ask you. But how long ago did those start? I feel like they've been on for what feels like an eternity now.
0: Capital One
1: with samuel jackson and his trio um,
0: well i think sam's been doing it on his own for longer than the ones with spike and charles that's but, what i thought too uh, yeah i mean it's se- i feel like it seems like they've been on longer than they have because they just play him so often but mm-hmm. uh, i'd want to say i don't know maybe let's say five years or so but which isn't that long but if it's, it's you know it's long enough that with how often they play them it seems like it's forever but mm-hmm. uh yeah i mean i'll i'll i'll, I'll second the love of at and commercials and it's like the official sponsor at and at the half and you know i don't want to be like fawning over a major corporation but they they give uh people they give creative people the opportunity to do what they want with these commercials and, and i'm a fan of milana vine who plays lily and she she's like the the mascot of the the halftime show pretty much and there's there's something like uncanny about how they cut to her like now here's lily from ATT with a, an important message and it's obviously pre-recorded but they present it like it's live and, and there's I, I like the I'm fascinated by that aspect of television, like a the live announcers throwing it over to something pre-recorded while pretending that it is also live. And you know, I'm wondering what is Milana Vine trip doing at that moment? Is she is she watching the game? Is she watching herself in this commercial? Um I don't know how much of a basketball fan she is, but th- those are those are the thoughts I have. I like Considering the, the the production decisions that go into putting on these uh, these tournaments, and let's I've got a few other favorite categories. Let's wrap these all up together. Do a little garbage time thing. So, any favorite memories related to watching the games, or fa- best personal bracket performances, or or maybe best uh, favorite hairstyle and fashion choices among the players.
1: Yeah, we'll 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 kind of cover the bases here, sure. Um, I think um, another personal memory I have, and um, maybe, maybe that this was the sign that it it was kind of all all, all meant to be. But um, one of my uh, my first dates actually with my wife is we met in college, and we were in the kind of the same block of classes at Penn State, and. Um, I I took Morgan out to dinner on a on a Saturday night and and we started getting serious uh, around uh, the middle of March. So uh, this was 2009. And um, one Saturday night, we wound up finishing up dinner in downtown State College, the same very night that uh, Pitt was playing Villanova in an, an elite eight game which turned out to be a heck of a game that really turned the fortunes of both programs because since then Pitt's kind of just gone to downward spiral where they're an afterthought now and villanova's taken off and been the final fours won cha- championships and the game itself was a crazy back and forth one it was with two big east schools because Pitt was in the big east at the time and uh it was a uh, a shot near the end but Villanova in the length of the court and our guard, star guard, Scotty Reynolds made this layup with about a second left and Pitt lost by two. And everyone thought that was uh Pitt's best chance to, uh, to make it to the final four, because they were close a lot of years, but they never had great tournament success. And really what took this a step further was just the fact, um, you know, my, my, my wife Morgan, she's from Pittsburgh and here I am from Philadelphia. So we had that kind of that Philadelphia Pittsburgh thing going there as well. Where I remember after we we went out to dinner, we went back to where I was living, like in an on-campus apartment. And we, we sat and we watched the remainder of the game with some of the other uh, people, that, my neighbors that lived in this uh, apartment complex as well. And it's like, well, boy, if she's not running in the other direction, here we are spending our Saturday date night watching a, a college basketball game. Maybe it's meant to be, and here we are. 13 years later now, and uh, she she's still putting up with me and allowing me to go watch college basketball in person now if if, if I want to. So uh, that, that's one of my favorite memories as well. And that game will always stick with me as well, just because of those personal kind of side effects as well, with it as Before well.
0: Before you uh, move on, so that, have you ever seen the Kroll Show sketch, Pawn-Sylvania?
1: Yes. Mm-hmm.
0: Have another classic Pittsburgh-Philly connection.
1: That 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 ties in well. I mean, do you, do you remember as well what our uh, wedding cake topper was by any chance?
0: Uh. Hmm. Was sports it, related. Was it a sports related? I was going to say, was it a, a, a Philly cheese take and a, a pierogi together?
1: Well, that wouldn't um, been bad. No. Uh, it, it was actually it's two little clay clay figures uh one, one's supposed to be morgan in a, a pirate's jersey and then the other one is a, me in a Phillies jersey and it says on the back our names and it spells out 20 uh tw- 2014 when we were married so
0: nice
1: yeah and then um i i i know you mentioned as well that the, the hair aspect of things as well and i i, I did it i i of course have a tiger campbell my list of best hair and my favorite story with, with Tiger about his hair is: Did you know that uh, he hasn't gotten a cut since fifth grade?
0: I have not heard that. But yes, that is, I've, they should be mentioning that more often.
1: Yes, it. it He's actually like Samson. Up, yeah, it actually came up in a, a broadcast earlier this season. I, I love watching uh, UCLA, especially when they're on ESPN, because Bill Walton will call it, and that <laughs> of was and uh, that is one of the little fun facts that he was Bill Walton was talking about that that evening and i he probably i wasn't paying attention close enough but i feel like he would be the one to drop a samson reference mm-hmm. like like you just did too but um a couple other uh, i thought great hairstyles this year as well um did you catch the guy from baylor that jeremy sochan who kind of looks like the modern day dennis rodman with the he had different hair dyed
0: no i don't think i saw him I didn't <sighs> okay see you me.
1: might well, unfortunately you know bagler didn't make it as far or maybe if he, he was around some more he he would have um his teammate uh, Matt, matthew mayor as well with the mullet as well now he he never he didn't come to campus with that mullet and it's kind of grown to become a thing the last couple of years here as well so I, I think that's kind of taken on a life of its own and then i don't know how close you followed some of the uh teams and didn't make it as far in the tournament but uh there was a guard there's a guard for alabama his name's uh jd davison he has a blonde afro that really looks like the mane of a lion like when he gets flying into the open court it's just going every which direction it, it, it's a great head of hair so
0: mm-hmm. yeah i'm looking at it right now it looks like he could be in the wizard of oz or something
1: I know. I I see it. I just think Lions main. And Mm -hmm. apparently, I I don't know where he stands now, but they were pegging him earlier this season as a potential first round NBA pick. So Mm. coming to an NBA uh, city near you soon, I guess.
0: All right. Hopefully, the Nets draft him and I can go see him at the Barclays.
1: That's right. There you go.
0: Yeah. Well, I'll, uh, yeah. I mean, Tiger Campbell, I think he's my favorite uh, hairstyle of all time um oh, did you have any top bracket performances that you wanted to mention
1: oh um for me you know what the, the the year the year that villanova won in 2016 i hit that bracket pretty well because i did pick villanova to win they they are one of my favorite favorites favorite schools and i did take them that far they were a two that year mm-hmm. and i and i usually hesitate not picking a one seed to win the uh entire tournament that's something i haven't done very often and um, i think
0: villanova could have i remember thinking they should have been a number one seed that year
1: and that that overall was a very chalky year as well where um your 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 other one seeds all made it to at least the the elite eight now the, the the one that completely threw a wrench in the plans which i feel like nobody got and good for you if you did is uh number 10 Syracuse made the final four of that year i don't know if you remember that it wasn't that long ago
0: you know i always i i'm so often like something will spark a memory and i'll just go on wikipedia and look up whatever years march madness and then i'll see it and i'll be like a double digit seed went that far that year why don't i remember that more clearly but yeah, like it happened, you know, it is always crazy when it happens, but then it's like there's so many games and so many opportunities for it to happen that it happens more times than you might think.
1: I know that, that that's what I did look, looking back at that tournament as well. Cause I still remember I did well with it. And I remember the story. And once I got into it where I know that people were hammering Syracuse were kind of being a, a fraudulent final four team, because if you look at their run, they took out the number seven seed Davidson, or excuse me, Dayton. And then in the second round, they took out 15 seed, middle Tennessee state who just beat the two Michigan state mm-hmm. the game before. And then in the, the sweet 16, which I can't believe it happened now, looking at how successful they are, but Gonzaga was an 11 seed that year. And then there's a, it was an 11, 10 matchup and uh Syracuse beat them. And then they went on to, uh, to play, uh, oh gosh, I, d- I don't know who they played after Gonzaga. You might have to do a little bit of digging here, for you me, Jack.
0: Quick, let's <laughs> find out. Is Syracuse? In the OV- oh, you know a. what was
1: that? A, was that a year that Virginia was a one seed? I know they had a stretch. Was that that <laughs>
0: Was yeah, they beat one oh, seed at Virginia.
1: So again, that would be a year where you know you'd feel good about the one seeds, you know, traveling as far, but you know you don't expect a ten to pick up a one, especially two in the same conference, because Syracuse was in the ACC at that time, I'm sure too.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, my, my best year, well, I already mentioned 97, but I think my best year where I was like most confident was like, yeah, I got it was 2009 when North Carolina beat Michigan state in the final. And I think North Carolina was probably the most touted team all season. They'd just been in the final four the year before and I was like, they've got un, unfinished business. I think a, most of the roster had returned for that year, and it was like, it just this is a high-powered offense and aggressive on defense. Michigan State had a strong defense, but it was more of a wear-you-down defense, and I was like, I know if North Carolina gets a lead early, they're going to be able to hold on to it, and that was the year I was studying abroad in Australia, so I was watching that game. I think I watched it live. It was like 16 hours ahead. So I was watching it Tuesday morning. That was an interesting experience. But I was like, yeah, this is, uh, I'm feeling pretty comfortable here. I'm, I may have already clinched the, the win by that point. But um, but that was a year. I So I ran cross country when I was at Loyola. And uh, NCAA student-athletes are not allowed to bet on sports at all. So I, you're not allowed to bet money on sports at all. So I didn't put any money on my bracket this year. Um, not that I expected them to investigate a walk-on at, on at cross-country or something for a bracket pool, but I wasn't going to take any chances, so... That was just for the, for bragging rights that year. All right, so I think that covers all the favor that, that was plenty. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, we could probably talk for twenty four hours more if given the opportunity, but uh, we'll we'll uh, yeah we'll move on to uh, before we go to our final section forever. We'll do some trivia. We've been uh, promising it to each other, uh, so Jeff, I'll. My guests go first. What do you have for me?
1: All right. Na- name the one school that is a perfect 4 and 0 when playing for the national title.
0: 4 0. All right. I am going to guess Connecticut. You're right. Yeah. 99,
1: 2004, 2011, 2014. So, how about never losing? the national championship game. I thought that was a pretty impressive.
0: Yeah. It's yeah, something else. Um, I was going to ask you for a hint, but then it just crystallized in my mind. Uh, okay. Now here's I, I wrote one question down. Then I thought of another one a few hours ago. Um, so I'm going to ask you both. So in every, in any given year, what is the number of possible different bracket predictions? So, they're not with the first four games going on now. They, they, most brackets don't ask you to pick those. So, we're talking round to 64 onward. So, I won't ask, I won't require you to get this exactly, but if you can get it within, like, I, I don't even know what, what, what's your best guess? We'll see well, if you're I, anywhere I in the neighborhood.
1: That- Thank you for not setting this up, letting uh, your your guests know that I am I am a math teacher here. But uh, I tell you what, permutations and combinations are an eighth grade concept, and I teach seventh grade. So th- this is a little bit out of my wheelhouse anyway. But uh, I don't know. The, the number that just stuck in my mind was like 4.1 billion.
0: It's much more than that, actually. Yeah. Uh, it is, so it's two to the 63rd power, I believe, because there's, there's 63 games. So it's when you have that many games with two possible results in each game, that's how you determine it. So it's nine quadrillion, 223 quintillion, 373, tr- 372 trillion, Thirty-six billion eight hundred fifty-four million seven hundred seventy-five thousand
1: eight hundred eight. But who's counting, right? Yes. Yeah.
0: <laughs> um, and then the other question is pops in my head. If you can remember from last year, what Emmy-winning actor introduced the intro for last year's championship game?
1: Oh. Why do I feel, and it seems the strangest thing? Was it Matthew McConaughey?
0: No. Okay. Uh, I'll give you a hint. I once told your wife, Morgan, that I thought she looked like an actress from this show, the show that this actor won his Emmy for.
1: Oh, gosh. Oh, man. Now I feel like I should really know this because I remember you telling Morgan. I can't remember who the person was you thought she looked like. Oh jeez. <laughs> well,
0: the the one the actress who she looks like isn't that well known beyond this show. But the, the actor who's the star of the show, he's gone on to do other things.
1: I am at a total total loss, Jeff. You win. <laughs> uh, it was
0: John Ham.
1: See, for whatever reason, his name stood out to me as well, because I know he's a sports fan, too. And I went with either I was thinking him or McConaughey, and I just should have went. I tell my students all the time to go with their gut. And here I am failing them miserably right now with uh, trivia with you here, too. All
0: right.
1: Teachers have to follow their own advice. I know. That's right. Not good at my job here, I guess. Well,
0: hopefully not too many of your students are. Well, I don't know. Are you hoping they're listening to this or not?
1: I might have to fill fill them in, in the morning because I, I had some that were were shocked that I actually uh, was stood about 18 hours worth of basketball over the past weekend. So you
0: know how any of their brackets are doing.
1: Well, we, I guess we, you can
0: find out or well, you might have already found out today.
1: Well, I, I I tell you what, one of, one of my clubs is a sports stats club. I do once a week and I have a group of 20 brackets. That I had to come back to this morning and update to the sweet 16 round since taking off Friday to go watch basketball. So I had, I had one girl, um, one girl actually picked St. Peter's to win their first, her first game. So I told her, I said, Hey, something about those peacocks, I guess. Right.
0: Mm-hmm. And, and it's, it's a pretty good uh, place to watch TV shows like *McGruber*. Yeah. And uh and saved by the bell. Uh yeah, okay. Well now we'll wrap it up with favor or forever, excuse me. Forever! Forever!
1: Forever!
0: Section Forever where we take stock of where we are now and look towards the future. So um we've watched w- one whole weekend of this tournament. We still got plenty left to go. Um, yeah, so uh any predictions for how the rest of the rounds are gonna go?
1: Yeah, I you know what they, they any, may
0: already be outdated by the time the episode comes out, but we'll be, people can just check them and see how we did.
1: You might have to have to think back with me here, but I cannot remember a second round where every single one seed was tested like this year. Every matchup was close and you could make a strong argument that the eight or the nine should have came out winning the winning their games where, you know, you might disagree with the calls from the, the TCU Arizona game, but even Creighton, I didn't see that coming where, uh, especially when Creighton lost Kalkbrenner to the injury in round one, you figure, okay, done. Kansas is going to blow them out. And then you just figure, okay, Memphis has talent, but uh, Gonzaga has a lot more talent mm. and Memphis pushed them as well too. And then of course, I don't know. I the way North Carolina played at the end of the year, I I didn't think that was crazy to, to even call a UNC over Baylor upset in, you know, your your pool there. I, I picked next round I had Baylor going down to UCLA anyway. So that wasn't surprising to me either. But I don't know. As we get a little further along here, my my prediction is we're gonna get to a more chalky tournament where you know I'm I'm looking at a final four here where t- how about we have Gonzaga UCLA round two on one side. And then
0: I predicted that my bracket aer- overall is not looking that good, but that could still yeah, happen for me.
1: Exactly. And then I, I don't know, I, unless I can be talked out of it otherwise and I, I hope Villanova keeps, keeps playing well, but I, I just don't see it lasting much longer. I, I, I still think Arizona, Kansas is what we're looking at on the other side. And I mean, that's, that's four really good programs, whereas you get got a final four that looks like that. I mean, the college basketball fans, the interest is will definitely be there. And that's what I see coming, coming down the road here where, you know, you you like the little stories and you know, that's what the tournament's all about is those little stories where you hope something like that pops up, you know, who's going to be our, our Syracuse. We look back on it a few years and say, was that really something that's the case? I mean, they're in there this year, they're still there, but uh, I don't know. I just don't see it.
0: Well, I mean, if Michigan makes it in like, I mean that would be a, a double digit seed but a well known school and they were a one seed last year and they were expected to be better this year they're finally playing well now um but yeah like unless St. Peters keeps pulling off its run even if one of the double digit seeds does make it in you know that would be Michigan or Iowa State or Miami so it wouldn't be like small schools it would be Schools that have had success in past years, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, so it's yeah again. Unless it's St. Peter's, it's not going to look like the the craziest year. But there's there's definitely. I mean, I'll st- I picked Gonzaga at the beginning of the tournament. I'll stick with it, even though I'm not as I'm not as impressed with them as I was last year. I'm not as impressed with anyone as I was last year. But someone's going to win. You know? Yeah, um, yeah. So. And I gotta say, one thing, one realization I had this year is I used to be—I feel sad when there were fewer games per round. It was like, it's like, you know, it's it's a melancholy. You know, the games are there's higher stakes to them, but there's fewer to watch. But this year, I kind of felt relief that there's fewer games. It was like, you know, I'm not just watching the games; I'm also keeping up to date on all the TV shows I watch, and it's getting overwhelming. Like, I. I'm just exhausted by the end of the day, uh, you know. And I'm watching the women's tournament, so you know, on Friday when the women's tournament starts, the men isn't are in day two of the first round. That's it's 32 games in one day. And, you know, I'm sure there's it's probably people who record them all and watch them in their entirety in some way, some form, but. Um, this was uh, something I thought worth pointing out. I, I think in gen- there's more the women's tournament probably has a reputation of having less parity than the men, but I think that's not quite as true as it used to be. But then you look at something like, so South Carolina was the overall number one women's seed. They were beating Howard, the 16th seed, 44 to four at, the, at halftime meanwhile in the men's number one overall seed versus 16 gonzaga georgia state was 35 to 33 at halftime gonzaga pulled away but you know there's there's a difference and then south carolina actually, i forget how the, the i don't think i watched their second round match but it was a lot closer than their first round but um Oh, and you already mentioned uh, Matthew Mayer among your favorite hairstyles. I've, I was appreciated that he was guarding North Carolina's Brady Manick, who's yeah. got the, the blonde lumberjack look going. So that was the best hair matchup of the tournament. And then maybe my favorite prof- a moment of the tournament, uh, well, I mean, it was – like my favorite unexpected moment again ian eagle there it was um friday night game i think it was mary state san francisco they were reviewing a call and so they're just sitting around hearing the music from the stadium play and ian says for those of you wondering we're waiting for this call while listening to the dulcet tones of doja cat like oh is he a fan of uh didn't expect that necessarily but i appreciate it when the announcers pull some knowledge like that um yeah any other uh observations you had from this year
1: yeah well a couple actually um one of the great things about going to tournament games on site is that they'll they'll give you a live look-ins the different games around the, the country happening and since I was fortunate enough to be in Pittsburgh on Friday at those games, they have started and they would show some, some of the women's tournament games as well. Anytime that South Carolina Howard game came on, you just heard the collective like gasp from the, the crowd. Like, Oh my, look at this four, Yeah. 44 to four score. Thinking. Yeah. Not, not even close here, but uh, another thing too, that I, I really wish that uh, the men's tournament would get back to. And, I don't know when this changed happened. I want my gut's telling me it's when Turner got involved more at the tournament. I remember that the Sunday games, or the second round, they'd be done. All those Sunday games would be done by dinner time. Yeah. And now, like I look at this, like Arizona TCU ended at what twelve thirty. Mm-hmm. I night.
0: recorded. I um, rec- uh, I went to bed around ten or so, and mm-hmm. recorded the the last two games, and mm-hmm. got up early and just fast forwarded to the end of them. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's just like, I, I, I miss those days. Like mm-hmm. ah, it, it was always nice. And, and, you know, I, I get the, the West coast people and, you know, they, they're the ones kind of spoiled where they could be done with this at a reasonable hour, but for us East coasters, it, 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 feel, it feels like by the end of that Sunday, you're, you're just emotionally spent.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, when it was all just on CBS, they weren't willing to sacrifice their, sunday night schedule right and now they they don't have to well, because though the cbs game will end around seven then you got the other games on tnt and tbs true tv so yeah i i appreciate that as well but um uh yeah should we look to head to the future now anything we'd like to see Maybe first-time champions that have never happened, or new announcers we'd like to see, or anything else.
1: Ah, well, let's see. I, I think if I'm going like format style, I really think that we they should take the last eight at large and make that your first four in Dayton. Give those sixteen mm-hmm. seats a chance to play a true first round first round game now granted what would what, what that kind of mess with some things maybe you know get some of those push some of those teams that are on the 16 line down a little bit yes but uh i don't know get, give those teams a credit for winning their conference tournament which is enough to enough to be said there and kind of even going along with that too is just the, the smaller school tournaments i i know that you know the it, it's one bid and, and done and you feel for those teams that win their regular season conference, but then they, they blow it in their in their conference tournament. There's always a few every year, and they do get the automatic NIT bid, which isn't the same, but I, I don't know if you caught it this year. A couple of the conferences really weighted their uh, conference tournaments, and they set up a bracket. If you If you haven't, Jeff, you have to look at the West Coast Conferences bracket, where they put St. Mary's, the two, and Gonzaga, the one, all the way to the semifinal round. And mm. their bracket looks like it looks like steps. It's just yeah. like a, a progressive staircase. And I think there was another well, the
0: Big school. Ten plate does it that way too. And yeah. So I watch Rutgers, and me. I'm familiar with that style. And it it it's just
1: I don't know. I th- I think it's it's valuable enough to reward the those kind of teams where mm-hmm. you know everyone's on the St. Peter's bandwagon right now. But a school like Iona with Rick Patino should have been the the one that came out of that conference because they were. Dominant for most of the season, they had one slip up against Rider. Another, there are another school right in our backyard mm-hmm. as well, too. And Ryder had no business beating Iona, but darn it, they did when it mattered the most. And uh here mm-hmm. Iona was left to the N- NIT. So that would be something I like to see all the smaller conferences do: is kind of adopt that more of that model. That really, mm-hmm. I mean, don't don't put them in the finals necessarily. Make them earn it. Maybe win two games. Put them in the semifinals. Those top two seeds, but uh. Have something more to be said about yeah. the regular season tournament there. Mm-hmm. Um, I know you asked announcer wise too. I mean obviously getting Gus back on would be awesome <laughs> but uh I don't know but there's definitely a, a good mix I feel of, of younger broadcasters too that I really enjoy where uh one of my uh, one of my favorite announcers and it, it's across all sports is uh Jason Benetti who uh, does white Sox games and then he's on ESPN a lot as well. Him and, uh, Robbie Hummel do uh, the, a lot of the big 10 games on ESPN during the week. And, uh, they're very knowledgeable and I could see, I mean, Jason, Jason's a younger broadcaster as well, but, uh, he, he, he kind of does it all for ESPN. And I wonder if, you know, is there a future down the road for him or is he kind of content doing what he does, especially with calling White Sox games as well, where I know baseball is a big thing for him, but, Robbie Hummel was a name. I, he was actually, he played at Purdue about 10 years ago. And uh, I, I just appreciate how he's very honest on his call too. And he'll call it like he sees it as well.
0: well I One of the things I like about the way March Madness is now, they've got the uh, NBA on TNT crew come in for the studio, Ernie and uh, Charles and uh, Kenny Smith. Um I would think it'd be fun to have like someone who doesn't call college basketball at all. Um, you know, like maybe even to go so far as like when Monday night football had Dennis Miller for a few years, like someone who's not even necessarily of the sports world. Uh I didn't think ahead of time, but I I don't know. Maybe what if Billy Eichner of Billy on the street just he wouldn't even have he could just have him be a sideline reporter and uh, he could ask his man on the street style questions. And I don't know what questions he would come up with. They wouldn't be about the game, but it would be, this is definitely a left of center idea, but uh, something popped into my head. Um, One thing I'd love to see is a closer pairing of uh, the men's and women's tournaments. Um, One of the things I like about tennis, which is probably my second favorite sport to watch now, is how all the major uh, tournaments are men and women at the same time and at the same venue. So they support each other when the men's game is popular. It makes the women's game more popular and vice versa. Um, But now with... March Madness, even though the men's and women's games take place at the same time and the women's game can call itself March Madness, they're still separate because, mainly because they're on different channels. So I guess, it. I, you know, I'd, like I'd love to see during the men's games, be able to see the women's scores. Like they show the scores from the other men's games that are on right now, but I'd love to see the women's games scores as well so i don't have to switch over to espn to see those uh i mean i'm sure there's something contractual that's preventing them from doing that but i'd love to be able them to do whatever cross promotion they that is allowed or or work out something in the contracts that would allow them to do more than they are now and yeah did you fill out by any chance a women's bracket this year or have you ever done it in the past
1: no, I yeah no I I I have and it, it kind of goes goes back to uh, just having more of the, the the publicity on the women's tournament as well and trying to get even at school some of the some of the girls interested in the sports statistical side of things as well where we have women's brackets going as well and I mean I I took South Carolina to, to yeah. win I mean I I I feel like most do if you just kind of have a little bit of a pulse on the women's women's game so. That wasn't a hard pick for me.
0: Yeah, well, I went a little, a little upset-minded. I picked Iowa to win it all.
1: Oh, that's that, a little good for you.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, they disappointed me on both sides. I picked the men to go all the way to the final game. So they, they were both playing well in in Big Ten play, and then, then at the worst time, they, they get upset.
1: Well, you know what, Jeff? Every every year, I I tell myself that that I have to have like rules I need to follow when it comes to picking. Like, I always try to take a play in winner to win their next game. I always try mm-hmm. to pick at least one twelve, of course, to win. One for you might need to be don't pick a school from Iowa anymore because you've kind of run the game out here with Iowa and Iowa State. Like, I just to stay out of that state.
0: I guess so. Yeah, well, one rule that is working kind of well for me. Uh, but not perfectly quite yet is picking Gonzaga to win it all until they finally have, yes. until they finally do pull it off. Like last year I did that and they made it to the final. I did it again this year. So it could happen. And of all the, besides Rutgers, they're like number one on my list of champ first time champions. I'd love to see. Mm-hmm. All right. So any, yeah, any other final thoughts before we wrap it up?
1: No, I, you know what? You, you just can't go wrong. Like we said earlier, you can't go wrong with this type of year. Just, you know, you, you think you you know, and you, you, just, you just sit down and then it starts. And what, within an hour, you're like, well, my bracket shot, or I just lost this team or that team. And then, you know, th- there's been years that I spend hours upon hours just studying and, and looking at this stat and that stat. And then you, you just throw your hands up and it's like, who who knows and that's what that's what makes this so great and i don't know that there's nothing in my mind that tops this time of the year in sports Mm -hmm.
0: absolutely yes okay well um you might have to text me or something and if any thoughts that you have later in the tournament and i'll somehow have to add them in some way some form to um let our listeners know what we're thinking and yeah hey and if you're listening if you want to tell us how your bracket's been doing or uh tell us your favorite moments please do you know um, we're on twitter instagram and facebook and you can always email us at uh that's entertainmentpodcast at gmail.com um but yeah uh, and uh so now it's time to do uh promotions and recommendations. So Jeff, if you've got anything that you'd like to promote or if there's anything you'd like to recommend that you can enjoy with your aunts and or nephews, uh, let us know.
1: Ah, Let's see. You know, the, the, the world of the teacher right now, there is not much going on exciting outside of the walls of my classroom here. And then just surviving with my two little ones at home here, we're, we're starting T-ball soon. So it's going to be close to baseball season coming around here. So I guess my, my work is going to go to the baseball side of things next here where I guess I got to start studying up on a fantasy baseball season right around the corner too. You mm-hmm. know, if we need future episodes of, of of old sports stories too, Jeff, we should get into one about the history of Home Run Derby. And oh the, yeah. The original fantasy baseball drafts we would do. Yeah. I mean, my goodness, and t- tie in the sport of baseball a little bit to the pop culture mm. world as well too here that that would be that might be worth worth a future uh podcast idea here but no th- there's not much else going on exciting in the world of, uh, of me here right now but it is almost baseball time so that's kind of one of the nice things about March Madness too is typically a non-lockout years you get mm-hmm. your final game that Monday and that's usually when opening day is but since MLB lockouts kind of Jacked up the schedule a little bit. Here, We're, baseball's a little behind, but they'll catch up. So,
0: yeah, well, it's just like like a four game delay or so. Yeah, April fifth no. is opening day.
1: <sighs> April seventh, April eighth, something something around there, I believe. Okay,
0: all right uh yeah well i'll i'll promote as usual uh we've got a patreon if you'd like to uh support us that way uh please do and ken jong of course you still have an open invitation to be a guest on this show whenever you'd like to be and uh one recommendation i have in mind it's uh i've been watching his youtube videos he posts a new one like every day it's kiyush the stunt dog he's a siberian husky living in england and uh yeah, I watched him for like three or four minutes and uh, there, there's lots of dogs that have their own YouTube channels. And that's one is one of my favorites. So I, I think that's, that's good family entertainment. Uh, okay. Yeah. And if you'd like to, you can leave us a review. We'll read it on air. And uh, I already mentioned our social media. And since Aunt Beth is not here, I'll say her sign off, which is what is good night. And Jeff, I'll let you say, uh, your uh goodbye salutations as well
1: all right well as we said earlier right uh well long-time listener first-time caller so uh hopefully not 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 the last time here i'll be on with you it was jeff it was a pleasure and uh i I enjoyed it here for sure i agree we could have talked about this one for uh, this topic for about 24 straight hours
0: yes very much so Yes. Yeah, so thank you for, uh, for making the time and staying up a little bit past your bedtime. Um, and uh, as always, I'll say, keep your remotes handy and your eyes open.